Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I'm Joe, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott, and tonight we welcome to the podcast Lisa, otherwise known as the Castle Runner. Lisa's involved with a number of fun and exciting endeavors, including writing a successful blog on her website, with topics ranging from thoughts on Disney, running, and life in general. She also runs the candle company Core Memory Candles, and through various social media platforms, shares her experiences at Walt Disney World and as a member of the Disney fan community. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. We're very happy uh, to talk to you this evening. Yeah, uh, as great. I begin every episode recently with what's going on in the world, I always like to ask our guests, what, how you been? How you holding up in this crazy year of 2020? Everything good? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been different for sure. Um, you know, life's tossed us all a bunch of curveballs lately. But, um, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about more, um, I'm extremely local to Disney. So um, very lucky to, to have that in my life right now. And, you know, my, my two sons are, are adjusting well to, um, to their, they're, they're actually face-to-face um, learning with social distancing, um, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So nice. they're very happy to be back to some some strange version of normal and uh yeah we're we're holding down the fort here okay that's good happy to hear that joe how are you doing same as always scott as you know it's just another day as always (laughs) (laughs) it's weird i mean i time goes quickly this year in a way in a way it's taking a long time and then you could wake up and say i can't believe it's november 5th already it's such a strange year in a couple weeks it'll be thanksgiving and the holiday season and then into 2021 and it's I saw the Disney holiday decorations are up now at the various parks. That's always kind of a nice reminder of the fun times ahead. Um, yeah, literally the morning after Halloween, the decorations were were largely up. And then tomorrow we kind of phase into a lot of the entertainment and stuff. So I'll be checking that out. Right. Yeah, that'll be uh, exciting to see your posts and, and pictures from the, from the parks of the holiday decorations. We're looking forward to that. And um, Lisa, we wanted to talk to you tonight about a whole variety of things because you have a very unique background in terms of the fact that you moved to Disney. We'll ask you about that in a second. Um, so let's get into all of that. And I, I guess the, the first question we had for you this evening was to ask you if you could give us some background on what brought you to Florida and in particular, what drew you to Walt Disney World. So um, as, as you guys might know, um, sure you're new to your listeners. Um, I was myself a um, practicing attorney for a very, very long time. I was actually in big law um, in New York on Wall Street, and then outside of DC for a long time, um, specializing in mergers and acquisitions. Um, was you know personally not happy or satisfied in that life, and um, kind of felt like it was time to get out. And um, one thing led to another in my life. There were some uh, you know they they always say you know you need kind of a strong force to push you out of a stagnant situation, right? So we had some so, you know some some medical situations in the family and some some negative things um, that were going on, but, you know, all, all good reminders that life is short and um, catalyst for, for movement forward. And I, to make a long story short, ended up getting out of big law um, and my, my family and, and I found ourselves to be very portable for the first time in our lives and um, decided that uh, if we were going to be making a move south, because um, I think my husband's always wanted to live south and um, anywhere south would have been good for him. I think he's always been a southerner at heart. And mm-hmm. the second that I mentioned anything south, they, he was ready to pack his bag. So Florida was, you know, halfway out of my mouth, I think, before he started packing boxes. 
Um, so, and we have, we have two sons as well. And uh, I think, you know, like any, like any parent, you're aware that it's only going to get harder as they get older to relocate, that, re- relocate them. So we ended up making the move down to the central Florida area. And, um, you know, like, like we were just talking about before we started recording, um, we are literally, um, you know, a stone's throw from, from magic kingdom. Um, I can not only, you know, hear and see the, the fireworks when they were happening, um, from my house at night, but you can literally hear the water pageant in my bedroom at night. Uh, we're we're about five minutes from the contemporary and magic kingdom. So, wow. so yeah, so it's a big change, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't regret it for a minute, especially this time of year when the weather is just insanely gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful down there this time of year and it's starting to get quite cold up North, even though today was kind of warm. It's, it's the point of the year where you begin to question why you're staying in the North <laughs> and not living in, in a place like uh, Florida. I wanted to ask you also, Lisa, in particular, before, you relocated to Central Florida. Were you a fan of Walt Disney World? Was it a place you had frequently visited? Oh gosh, yeah. So I wasn't like a from birth Disney fanatic. I mean, we, I would come here with my family when I was little, and you know, have you know great memories of it, like like most people do of visiting. But it's at, at that point in my life, it's not like I would leave and feel the need to come back or you know be um, you know feel feel torn when when I left. And I think. Um, you know, I alluded to some stuff that had you know, gone on in our family. I actually lost my dad um, back in 2014. I mean, he had leukemia and it was just an awful, awful time in our lives. And I'm an only child. So I was kind of helping my mom deal with, with all of that. And when we lost him, you know, there's, you know, inevitably the horrible sort of red tape of, of, of loss that you're dealing with and just being piled high with like all of this paperwork for my mom trying to help her out. And it was a really tough time. And um, at, at some point in that, I think she and I both decided that we wanted to get the heck out of Dodge for a little while and, you know, go someplace happy and, and regroup and what better place to go than Disney. Um, and so I remember it was October of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went down as a family, as my family, my children for the first time. Um, we, I hadn't been down to Disney mm-hmm. in, since my kids had been born. And um, I remember being down here during that trip and it was like, I was like Columbus day weekend. We were staying at the boardwalk. And I just remember that, like the, one of the first nights we were there, I was like standing outside and the street performers were doing their thing. And I can remember it was like room temperature with a breeze outside and everything smelled good. And it was just, it was just this like height of Disney moment. I'm not talking about Space Mountain. I'm talking about that like vibe that's so amazing down here. And I just remember standing on the boardwalk in that moment and just like breathing and thinking like, yeah, this is, this is my place. Like, mm-hmm. like I remember like in high school, like coming up the elevator or escalator in you know, Penn station at the time um, into New York and then kind of feeling the energy of the city and feeling like it was my place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did end up going to Columbia for my undergrad. Um, and it was like that same click happened down here um, at that point. And, um, and I was like, so unhappy in my, my big law job. And like, there was, you know, my dad had just passed and it was just, there was just like a lot of ick, I think in, yeah. in like, that point. And Disney just became this like beacon of, <laughs> you know, being here was just such a happy thing. And, um, the wheels started turning to potentially be, you know, down here, living down here, um, you know, at some point in the future. And, you know, I, and just, I was doing distance running and we can talk about all this stuff, but like there were, there were a lot of things like catalysts in my life happening at the time that kind of opened my mind to like what could be. Um, and yeah. And, you know, fast forward to now, like we actually did make the move. Um, so, yeah. So I think that the Disney thing like kind of hit strong later in life. Um, but, you know, it definitely was a sort of 
fangirl you know, before we made the move. So how long have you been down there now? So we moved down here in August of 2017. So we're, you know, coming, you know, we just passed our three-year mark. Mm-hmm. So did you find it difficult moving with the kids? You know, was, was there any challenges with that? Um, you know, I know they're young, so. Yeah, so when we first moved down, um, they were in kindergarten and second. So, you know, young enough to not, you know, I mean, they miss their friends and stuff, but it's like they're at that age where they make friends, you know, so quickly. And yeah. we had been in this like teeny little like white schoolhouse, you know, International Montessori up in Maryland. And they were sort of were, um, I kind of like took the excuse to try public school for the first time, which we've been really, really happy with where we are. So they've adjusted beautifully. And I always say like, you know, when you see your kids like riding their bikes to school in the dead of January, um, you know, you kind of have to think that you didn't make a big mistake. <laughs> I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> Lisa, when you talk about your experience at the boardwalk on that trip and that feeling of just pure joy, that, that's a feeling that I often call it that indescribable Disney feeling. I, I have trouble sometimes putting it into words, but I remember since I was a kid going there with my family through to my trips today, there are those moments on the Disney trips. And I'm there frequently throughout the year, and I never stop having that feeling where it's just this escapism, like you're in a better world, your troubles have gone away for a brief period of time and you could just focus on the happiness of the moments. I could very much relate to uh, your experience on that, uh, that boardwalk. Yeah, I think a lot of us can. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the biggest Disney fans understand that it's not about a lot of the things that you kind of associate with a typical, like exhausting Disney vacation. It's more of those sort of quiet moments Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they just do everything right. I mean, and, and now we'll talk more, of course, I'm sure about like what's going on in the parks now, um, right. even now, or like, you know, in, in the middle of like Hurricane Irma or, uh, you know, it's like, it, you know, it's uh, a lot of times you see Disney at their best during these difficult times. Um, and it, it, it is a comfort. It's a comfort, you know, and, and, you know, to see a company that can, that can do it right, even in these difficult situations. Very true. Joe, how about uh, asking Lisa our next question? Yeah, so just, you know, pivoting off of that, Lisa, you know, now, especially with everything going on and the pandemic and all the, you know, Disney news about how they're running the parks, when they're going to open, things like that. What have, your been, what have your experiences been, uh, you know, down in the area, basically right there, you know, as a Disney uh, fan and, and what's going on in the parks right now for you? So, you know, I'll kick it off just by saying that I feel safer in Disney than I do at the grocery store. Um, They are so, you know, obviously like just to get into the parks, you're being temperature checked and everything is very socially distanced and constantly being cleaned and, um, you know, and you're outdoors quite a bit. So it's not like you're in confined spaces. So all the protocols are are there and are incredibly impressive and comforting. Um, And, you know, the crowds have changed a bit, you know, very recently when they first opened, I think they might have been at like 10% capacity. I mean, they've never announced like official capacity numbers, but like you could, I mean, I remember days like you'd be at Animal Kingdom and you'd like walk onto Flight of Passage. And then as you were exiting, they'd be like, want to ride again? And we were like, okay. And I think I remember like one day we did that like three or four times. And then finally they were like, want to ride again? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'd like make your way into Africa and you'd be like the only person there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little unnerving and off 
off-putting in certain ways, but also like kind of awesome. Um, so those days are kind of over and I think we are kind of seeing people come back in still very socially distanced. So with all the like comforting protocols in place, um, but you know, the lines are getting a little longer. They look longer than they are because they're socially distanced lines. So, you know, you might see like the line for Splash Mountain touch the lines for Pirates of the Caribbean, but you're really only waiting in it for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, so as far as like crowds go and, and protocols, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, it's been a really good situation, I think. And I, it's been cool to see while, of course we miss the traditional parades and shows and fireworks and all that. It's been kind of cool to see the things that they've come up with in their place. Like for example, the character cavalcades that are coming through the parks that are sort of impromptu or really nice and kind of Disneyland ish in their sort of unscheduledness. Um, and intimacy. So, um, you know, I, I, as a person who's sort of been going to the parks from the day they reopened up until now, you know, we're seeing changes take place, but I'm very, very comfortable there. Have you spent time at Disney Springs recently? Yeah, very frequently. I mean, it's sort of like our town center. So, um, right. you know, I, again, it's, you know, the stores are for the most part, um, you know, open and and going, and I saw today like Toomey is closing. I don't know how many people are shopping for their Toomey at Disney Springs. Right. Anyway, um, so you know some things aren't terribly surprising. The restaurants are, as far as I can think of, a couple of a, a couple of closed, but you know for the most part, um, you know they're still they're you know up and running normally, and um, you know the tables are socially distanced inside and and all that good stuff. So Springs has been nice. One of the things I've seen on. Uh, from some Disney vloggers on YouTube is that it seemed in their experiences that the mask wearing was definitely being enforced strongly inside the theme parks. And that's tremendous. It seemed like it was not for a while being as well enforced at Disney Springs, although that seems to be picking up based on what I've seen on these videos. Is that your experience as well? Um, I mean, I think they've, they've been enforcing it kind of across the board, very firmly (laughs) to say Mm -hmm. the least. When yeah. they first when they first announced the mask policy, there was kind of this loophole that could. I mean, it's not like people were horribly exploiting it, but you know, it was kind of like, well, if you were eating or drinking, you didn't have your mask on, obviously. So people would be like, oh, okay, if, I, if I had a soda in my hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's kind of a, an out. Um, and Disney nipped that in the bud very quickly um, by making it very clear that if you were eating or drinking, you needed to be stationary um, right. to take this off. So I don't. Um, you know, I, I personally haven't experienced any uh, anything that made me uncomfortable in Springs or in the parks. Um, you know, obviously the parks are kind of a more closed, controlled environment in a way. Um, but I certainly feel like they're, I mean, they're on you. And like, for example, they, they have cast members like stationed at the castle in Magic Kingdom to make right. sure they're leaving their masks on because people are taking that classic castle picture and might like ask their kids to like slip their masks down for a minute. And there are literally cast members with the sole job in that position of like telling people that they can't take their masks off, which, you know, some people don't love, but you know, if you're going to come in, you got to follow the rules. Got to follow the rules. And it's, I think a testament to the cast members. I mean, this has been a rough time for the cast members with all of the layoffs recently. The cast members not only make people's trip experiences phenomenal, but they, in this particular case in 2020, they're really dealing with a very stressful environment and are being asked to do things which would be intimidating to a lot of people, including myself. I mean, I've had contractors work in my house coming in without a mask or it's hanging down well over the nose. And I've asked them to 
fix that. And even just, I don't like doing that. It's a stressful thing because you never know how that's going to go. So I feel for the cast members that are stepping up to the plate really and, and doing a great job in these circumstances. They, uh, they deserve our, our love right now as Disney fans. Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing you can do when you're here is just express your gratitude to them and, you know, make sure that, you know, they, they know that we have their support. It's, it's tough, right? I mean, all around the world right now, not just in Disney, it's like, you know, half the population thinks you're going overboard and the other half the population thinks you're not doing enough. And it's like that sweet spot. And I guess, you know, if you're getting complaints from both sides that you're pretty much on point, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Like what they're able to do with a smile on their face. Um, They definitely like Disney has definitely trained, um, you know, literally trained a specific crew of cast members with the job of like, you know, rah-rahing social distancing and all the protocols that need to be taking place right now. Right. Lisa, have you been over to Universal at all? Have you seen CityWalk or anything like that? Is it similar? Yeah. So um, we were actually annual pass holders at both. Um, I definitely spend a lot more time at at Disney just because it's, you know, it's my home and it's very close. I mean, it's funny, Universal is 15 minutes away, but it's the park that's far. Um, so we've spent time at both. I think, um, Universal has definitely gotten more crowded recently. Um, but they too, like when they first opened and they, they opened up before, before Disney did, um, you know, they were sort of setting the standard and, um, you know, you know, social distancing and like marked cues and, you know, you would, you have to, they was, there's somebody like giving you at Disney, there's a machine that you can use hand sanitizer at Universal. You you, there's a person standing there like squirting it into your hand as you're about to get on, um, which a lot of people like more um, because you have to do it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Universal has been hitting quote unquote capacity on the weekends lately. I'm not sure what that means right now, um, but I, I feel fine at both. I mean, Disney is Disney and it's always going to sort of set the standard, um, but I feel safe at Universal as well. Lisa, I wanted to ask you about some of your experience with the Run Disney events. I know that uh, you often talk about that on your Instagram account and the blog. And uh, I want to begin by asking you how you got involved in uh, participating in the Disney marathons. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to that same, um, those same years that I was alluding to when I was talking about moving down here. So um, I was never, I've always been really into fitness um, and and health and watching what I eat and doing all that good stuff. I was never a distance runner. Like I I was, I would complain when I had to run the mile in gym class in grade school. Like I might've hopped on the treadmill to warm up for a weight workout or something, but I was not a runner like at all. Um, But I was very mindful of my health. And when my dad got sick, um, he had AML, acute myeloid leukemia. um, And he was very, very like horrifically ill, like just living a nightmare for about 10 months before we lost him. And I, during that time, I had all these tools to like get through my insane, insane, you know, work day, life, whatever, in big law on Wall Street. And, um, you know, all, all these different ways to like clear my head and cope and eat well and drink water and you do these tricks for, you know, functioning on low levels of sleep and meditating and all, all the things that like you're supposed to do to keep a clear head and be healthy. Um, and like none of it was working. Um, and like, I would try to like meditate to clear my head and just, it was not a good thing. Um, and so I just like, by default, I think one day I just started running. I think just, I, I, it wasn't even like a conscious thought. It was just like to get the ick out in that moment. Um, and it worked. And so I just kept running and I might've run two miles or three miles or four miles. But to me, it was a lot. Um, and I just kept doing it. Um, and it kind of got me through that awful time in my life. Like it was, it was almost like a moving meditation, like where I was 
you know, getting the energy out while I was processing. Um, and when we lost my dad, I kept running mm -hmm. and it just sort of became a part of my life. And this is, that was what I was alluding to. Like a lot of things that were sort of opening my mind to other things. It's like you start running to clear your head for one reason, but then it starts to open up your mind to other things. Um, and then I remember hearing that the Princess Marathon in 2016 was February 21st, 2016, which was, it's the day after my birthday, but it's also, it was the two-year anniversary of losing my dad. And when I heard that, I was like, heck yeah, like I am all day long. Like it was just this huge symbolic thing that I, like, I was still kicking and like the universe hadn't like beaten me down. Um, so I did end up coming down and that was my first run Disney race was the princess half marathon in 2016. And I came down and it was like everything that I imagined it would be. Um, and I've been an avid fan of, of run Disney ever since. And I credit run Disney with, you know, a, a lot of the other changes that I made in my life because it was just such a positive part of my life. And in training for it, I kind of realized a lot of other things in my life could change as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you give me some hope there, at least, because, you know, Scott and I have talked about doing some Run Disney events at times, and uh, people who know us would be very surprised about that. But I do think it's doable if, like, the things if things work out and, you know, just like just like you, if there's a sign that to do it, it's it's time. And it seems like it worked out great for you. So. Yeah. So Run Disney is, like, the least intimidating races in the world. Yeah. There's people of all shapes, all sizes, like... For the five keys, there's not even a time requirement. Like you, it's untimed, and you, that's what we would need. And, so yeah, that's where I mean, we start. And that's what I always say to people: like, if you're an avid, and obviously the runs aren't happening now, but when they come back, if you're like a huge Disney fan, like oh. do a five k. I mean, it's crazy. You got to wake up at like two a.m. and it's nonsense, whatever. But like, it's just such a different way to experience the parks. Um, and like you know, running around World Showcase at sunrise, and the characters are out, and it's just it's. You know, it's not even just the running. It's like this very cool, unique way to experience Disney. So, you know, and it's it's like so not intimidating. Like there's just all walks of life at these races. So, right. especially the 5Ks. So I would definitely go for it. Great. One of these years, Joe, we're going to do it. It's going to happen. We both are in the Pelotons. We're doing the Pelotons. But uh, <laughs> I was, actually, and I started running this year. I did for the first time. I never was a runner. It was not something I enjoyed doing when I was younger. But, you know, I've been on a weight loss quest and uh, I was doing the Peloton and it was doing well on it, but I needed to sort of change it up and just vary the routines I was doing. So I started running and um, I enjoy it. I, it, it yeah. uh, I can't say I'm a skilled runner, but just getting out and moving my body that way, you're, first of all, if you're working different muscles than you would on a spinning bike. And also it's uh, makes you feel good. It's good to get out there and I love running because it with you. I mean, you might like kind of do a run walk combination for 10 minutes one day and that's your first day out there, but like, that's what you could do. And that's right. fine. Like, you know, you might run like a 17 minute mile, you know, for eight minutes and that's okay. Like that's fine. Cause the next day you'll feel better. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's all about you. And I'm, I'm like very introverted. I mean, I, I'm able to function in social situations. A lot of people are surprised to hear that I'm introverted, but I'm super introverted. Like I get my energy from being on my own. Um, and so like those long solo runs are just golden, golden for me. So speaking about that, Lisa, I know you talk on your blog um, and your website about a lot of these experiences, you know, not running, not just running, but life experiences and everything like that too. Um, so just give us right now a few of your favorite uh, run Disney events. Go. Like events like ever. <laughs> 
So um, my, my, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is my very first dopey challenge. Um, it was just such an incredibly painful, emotional, wonderful experience. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the dopey challenge is something that takes place over marathon weekend, typically. Um, and it is a 5k, 10k, half marathon and full marathon all in one weekend. So you're running a total of 40, God, I'm blanking 48.6 miles. Um, a lot yeah. in the course of those <laughs> days. And not only are you doing that, but you're waking up at like two o'clock in the morning to do it. So you're like totally sleep deprived, like everything hurts. Like by the end, you're just like trying to get over the finish line. And it's just such this amazing rush. Um, so that's my number one. Um, my first princess marathon, obviously for all the reasons I just told you, was like the, probably the most, you know, I right now running, you know, now running a half, I ran 18 miles yesterday, just as a training run. So a 13 mile run isn't a big deal anymore to me. Um, but in that moment, it was just like the biggest thing ever. How many was I supposed to come up with? That's, That's awesome. I'm just curious, you know, cause That's I good. know you do a lot more of these than I would ever do. Yeah. So. I do, I do all of them. I do everything. On property. Yeah. So a lot of these runs, you know, they go along, they go in the parks, they go around the parks and the properties and hotels and everything like that. When you're running, like, is there a best, what's like the best view, you know what I mean? Or, or running through the contemporary or something like that. What, what is, what stands out to you? Oh, hands down. Like, I mean, I mentioned like running world showcase at sunrise and stuff, and there's so many cool things with that, but I mean, it, without question, it's rounding that corner on main street and seeing the castle, um, at sunrise fully lit. Like, um, so for the princess half marathon and during marathon weekend for the, um, half marathon and the full marathon, you run through magic kingdom and you know, you're exhausted and you're coming through and you come, you kind of round that corner in, and then you make that turn onto Main Street, and they the streets are just massively lined with people cheering, um, who have come in like God, God bless them, like you know in the wee hours, just as early as you have, they've had to wake up to get in there, and it's just like lined with people cheering for you, and they've got signs, and it's like you're so pumped up, and you're like coming down Main Street, you see the castle, um, and it's just this amazing emotional experience, and I just like I do it, and I'm just like how do people does like how doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> Like, how can you watch this and not want to be a part of it? Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many moments at every race, but like, that's like the tearjerker every time. That's awesome. The yeah, closest I've come to running a Disney marathon was, I think in, I was there January this year. I wasn't there for the marathon, but I was in a car with my brother and we were driving past all the marathon runners. So that was the closest I've come to the Disney marathon. I think next time it would be better for my health if I actually ran it. And uh, I might've taken 26,000 steps there once. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> it was so hot there. Oh my God. Like the, the 2020, it should have been assigned the rest of the year. The 2020 yeah. marathon um, was so hot. In fact, they had to cut the course for some people because it was getting so hot and they were like running out of um, a lot of the medical stuff that they needed just because everybody was hitting it up so hard. It was but warm it, there this year in January, unseasonably warm for Orlando. Uh, this yeah, it was, like, it was like 90. Right. Um, with a real feel of, you know, more than that, of course. So Right. Uh, Lisa, I wanted to ask you next about Core Memory Candles, which is the uh, company that you run. I, and I'm very excited to ask you about this because I happen to love scented candles. My wife and I joke about it all the time. We actually got a delivery tonight. Not, I'm not kidding you, of holiday-themed scented candles. And I'm big into this stuff. So I want you to tell us about your background, what made you get involved with that, and the types of candles the company produces. So I'll start out just by like from the thousand foot view, like I have always loved having a tangible product. Like I'm, I've always been an academic, um, obviously, you know, college, law school, 
you know, lawyering, all the, all the, the whole gamut. Um, but even all through that, like I would like crochet in law school. Like I, I've always just needed like to have something tangible that I create um, that feels real to me. And so that's always been very important to me. Um, and as I was, and I'm also very um, big on the power of scent as well, probably like you. And it's power to transport you and not just something that not necessarily just smell good, but, you know, especially, you know, us Disney fans, right. We know like those scents that like walking into the contemporary or sure. passage or um, uh, obviously Soren or, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, of course, uh, there's all these scents that will sort of transport you to your happy place um, that, you know, you, that you identify with and, and that can kind of, surprisingly transport you when you smell them. Um, and so I've always been really into that. And so I'm not the first Disney centered candle company. Um, but I, again, I, I just wasn't finding personally what I wanted in the market. There's other companies out there and there's people who love them, I'm sure. Um, but just me personally, um, I, I wasn't finding what I wanted and I also wasn't finding the aesthetic that I wanted. I tend to like to bring Disney into my life in a really subtle way. Um, I don't have any Mickey Mouse or primary colors in my home. I have, you know, watercolors at the boardwalk and, you know, over the television in my family room, I have, you know, patent sketches of June buggies and the castle. So I, I like to bring Disney into my life in very subtle ways, um, both for myself and like, that's sort of my aesthetic. And also because I don't want somebody to come into my home who isn't necessarily a Disney fan and feel alienated by it. I just want somebody to walk into my home and think, oh, that's a beautiful watercolor, but it's like my little secret that of the boardwalk. Um, and so the same thing was sort of what I wanted from candles. I mean, I wanted a certain level of quality and a certain quality of scent, but also the aesthetic of the candles. I didn't necessarily want like Mickey Mouse. I just wanted something beautiful and subtle mm -hmm. and I wasn't finding it. And so I started experimenting with making them myself um, and kind of came up with this gorgeous, you know, wax and wick formula that I loved and um, started sort of pinpointing versions of the scents that I loved. Like, for example, if you're trying to replicate Pirates of the Caribbean for your house, like you kind of have to, to me, I want to do it in a way that is true to the scent, but also beautiful enough to want to have in your home. Um, like Pirates doesn't necessarily smell good, right? It just, it, it evokes something wonderful for us. Right. doesn't necessarily smell good. Um, and so I was trying to find ways to sort of channel these scents that mean so much to us, but in a beautiful way that, you know, if somebody who wasn't into Disney walked into your house, came in, they'd be like, oh, wow, your house smells really good. And it's like my secret that it's Pirates of the Caribbean or like my secret that it's the contemporary lobby. Um, and so that's where Core Memory Candles, the idea that it came from, of course, Core Memory being sort of inspired by inside out um but also just sort of meaning that it's you know, it's it's those those olfactory powers that kind of can 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 transport you um and so that's what it came from um i run the company myself i make everything myself um you know my god bless my family they help me <laughs> but it's very it's become very busy um but yeah like i said i mean i think um you know, as a content creator, you can become very beholden to the powers that be and your sponsors and all the people that you work with as affiliates. And those people are great, but um, I'd rather be my own sponsor um, mm -hmm. vice versa. So, um, you know, I, I have this beautiful community that I built um, with the content that I create. Um, and it's really awesome for me to be able to provide them with a product as well. That's awesome. And uh, for our listeners, we will link to the candle company in our show notes. When I went to the website, I thought to myself, I'll 
get some of those for the holiday season for gifts for people because we all have plenty of Disney fans in our lives. And I like what you say about having it be kind of subtle, something that you know is a Disney thing for you, but is welcoming for everyone as well. I think that's really very cool. Uh, I, To me, one of the things I think about the most when I think about Walt Disney World are the scents, whether it's the Polynesian Lobby, I know is something that a lot of people go to, of course, Soren, like you mentioned, and others. Uh, it's an integral part of the trip. And you know, since we live up north and we, we're not there all the all that frequently when we get ready for our trip we talk about when you know oh we'll go to the lobby of this hotel it's going to smell so great to walk in there and joe i know when i've been there with you it's the same thing we talk about absolutely that. it's great <laughs> you know and we also have a friend who talks about soaring all the time and he loves that you know that that scent when you're just a memory in there so I, it's 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 what you just said Lisa, is perfect for you know when you're thinking about disney and the memories and you can't be there all the time but you right. want that reminder and that really, it does that. So you're probably going to need a FedEx truck for Scott's order soon. <laughs> Happy to send them up your way. Very um, cool. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, so just a couple more questions, Lisa, about Disney stuff. Um, Joe, you want to take the next question? Well, this isn't, so my next question is not really Disney specific, but Lisa, I was, I was reading through your blog on uh, thecastlerun.com. And there was a recent blog post, you know, a lot of your blog posts are, uh, mindfulness and, you know, inspirational posts. I mean, you know, like we said, you share a lot of your story on your blog and you get a lot of interaction with your, your readers and everything. And one of the, one of the posts I saw recently was, it was called just two things. Um, and it was, you know, these, these ideas for your mindset and changing your life. And when you, again, when you look at your story and, and your, um, your decision to leave big law, you know, you said you set a date six months from now and you're going to do this or, or whatever. And then you kind of carry that over into the just two things blog post. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, how did you come up with this blog post and, and kind of, um, you know, what was your goal in writing the, uh, in, in writing this one? So full disclosure, like that's a question I get like my most frequent you know, contacts that I think that I get from my community and from readers is people who are a lot of times not even necessarily Disney fans, but just are, you know, find themselves, you know, in a position in life where they're not really feeling fulfilled or happy and are feeling very stuck. Um, and I've written that message, that just do things message to a lot of people. Um, and I was finally like, yeah, I really need to like put this in a post um, that, it, that I can kind of just push out into, um, you, know, in, you know, into the world, um, you know, and have, you know, at my fingertips to share with people when they ask me this question. Um, and I think like the most powerful thing in that is, you know, something that I really had to learn. I think, you know, so many of us who are born with or have developed a certain skill set um, that, you know, maybe be unique, um, you know, certain in, I, I was a good, I was a great lawyer. I was, I was really, really good at what I did. Um, you know, I went to Columbia undergrad. I went to Harvard law. I was practicing m and I, you know, one of the best firms in New York and then a great firm in, in DC. Um, I had a very serious niche that I developed and a lot of respect in that field. And, um, I knew I could have partnered if I wanted to, but I was really unhappy. Um, and I think a part of me felt like I owed the world that unhappiness because I was uniquely suited to fill the role that I was filling and do the job that I was doing. Um, but it became very clear to me that like, I, first of all, I, I, I was no longer excelling like I should have in my career because I just wasn't inspired to. 
Like I just, I wasn't, you know, inspired to keep up with the case law. I wasn't, I mean, it was fine. I was doing fine, but I, I didn't love it enough to be throwing myself into it as much as I really should have been. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it, it became very clear to me that like, I could serve the world better if I wasn't quite so unhappy. Um, you know, and I, I, we used to talk, I mean, we used to just talk about the culture of misery in our firm. Like we would call it a culture of misery and it, it makes no sense. Like looking back on it as, you know, from the outside, like why, why were we all such willing participants? Um, but I think you just become a part of this culture of misery and you're surrounded by people who are sort of in the same boat and you feel like this loyalty to them and you still participate in it. Um, and I think just that message that you don't owe anyone your unhappiness, be it your spouse or your job or anyone, um, you know, and, and you, you owe it to the world and to yourself to, you know, strive to be fulfilled and be in a position where you're motivated to do better. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just long answer, I suppose, but yeah, it just, it's, it's a message that I've shared out so many times with people, um, and something that's really become very important to me. It's interesting because uh, we're both lawyers, Joe and I, and you know, I'm at a smaller office, uh, but many of our friends who are at large law firms, they're not happy. They're stressed. They're unfulfilled, you know, like, like you said, in terms of what they're doing. They're, they, sh they feel like they should be happier. They feel stuck. And I find that very interesting because you spend so much time getting ready to become a lawyer. There's so much effort involved from going through the education process, through law school, through to the bar exam. And um, I think many lawyers, not just lawyers, but uh, on, that, on the topic of lawyers, many reach a point in their careers where they're like, is, is this it? Why aren't I enjoying this more? I've talked to lawyers multiple occasions, friends of mine that are going through that. So it's very interesting. And I remember when this blog post came out, thinking to myself, oh, wow, this is, this is really fascinating stuff. I, I submitted my resignation letter an hour later after reading it, but uh, no, it's um, it's very true. I, I wanted to ask you a question about this this blog post as well, because one of the things I was thinking when I was looking at it was, what what would you say to someone who, for whatever the reason may be, would not be able to move to another location or not be able to make the switch that they want to completely. I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Um, I, well, I'll take it from, you know, from a personal perspective. For me, it's it was very hard for me. In my job, I, I, I must say I'm not unhappy in my job at all. I, I, I like my job. I think that could be partially due to the fact that I work in a smaller setting. Um, but for me, one of the things that I thought of not too long ago, and that was reinforced in 2020, in a year which has shown people how short life can be and how precious life is, is I wanted to incorporate Disney and other things that make us happy more into my life. So in other words, what advice would you give someone that isn't able to make a move, let's say, to a place like Florida or wherever their dream location may be, but seeks to still find happiness in their lives that way, whether it be incorporating Disney into their lives or... I'm, again, I'm struggling with how to phrase the question, but it's, know, it's tough, right? I think, um, I mean, I'll start by saying that like, you know, you, your last question, and I kind of skipped over the main answer of what motivated me to write it. I, I wrote it because I lived it. You know, it, I lived it deeply and intimately. Like I am intimately familiar with everything that, um, 
that was wrong with, with that version of my life. And, um, you know, I used to walk by a Barnes and Noble on the way to work. And I remember looking in the window of the Barnes and Noble at the people who worked there and being so envious of them, which makes no sense, right? Like, Oh, it, it makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it, it makes sense. I remember, like, I remember like lying in the dentist chair and like the hygienist was like cleaning my teeth. And I remember looking up at her and being like, she seems okay. Like she's wearing some, some jewelry. She seems like she eats. Um, you know, she probably works from, eight to three and then she goes home and I know I'm not uh, please if you're a dental hygienist and you're listening to this don't think I'm making light of how hard you work but like it's like all like grass is greener stuff right like I'm not saying what that person's life is actually like I'm just saying my perspective of it it's like every single person around me who wasn't living my life I used to look at them and be like they seem fine right and I'm jealous of them right and Um, and I think that, you know, you become so like deeply ingrained in the life that you're living. And for me, I remember like, I was putting my husband through school at the time he was, he had gone back to school. We had children, we had a mortgage, you know, everything was on me. And I remember like at a certain point, my husband, who was wonderful and very supportive, um, and understood how unhappy I was, would say to me, well, what's your daydream? What do you want to be when you get out of this? Like, what's, What's, and I remember I would get very, I, God bless him. I mean, he wasn't saying anything wrong, but I would get upset with him because I would just, I would say, stop. Like, I can't, I can't like daydream right now because it doesn't, it didn't feel safe for me to think of what else could be because it was like, I had to, and this is just my personal way of dealing with things. It's like, I had to put these blinders on and just function in the life that I had to live in. And I was self-imposing it to an extent, but it also felt like I needed to be in this life because I was also supporting my family. Um, and I think that, you know, what the, the, the long lead up to my answer to your, you know, to, to the question I think you were trying to ask is, you know, the first of the two things, or I forget how I ordered them, but the, the two things are, you don't owe your own happiness to anyone and you need to give yourself the mental space to daydream. Right. Um, and yeah. it was all very unintentional. It was the running for me. Um, because I started running to deal with my dad's illness and what I was emotionally going through. But through these runs, I started to finally kind of, my mind started to creep into what more could be. And this was not a quick process. It's not like I, you know, we had a whole bunch of money and we decided to like leave our jobs and move to Florida. It was not easy for us for a lot of reasons. I know I'm an only child. My mom's still up in Maryland um, you know, my I had two children, we had a, we, we had a lot of things that needed to be dealt with in order to make the moves that we made. And none of it was easy. And I would never think that it would be easy for anyone. Right. Um, it, it was a slow process, but I think I credit for me, it was running. It might not be running for everybody. It might be going for a walk. It might be golfing. It might be taking a long drive or taking a motorcycle ride through, you know, you know, the leaves in Vermont and fall, I mean, whatever is sort of your quiet place that kind of creeps in, that's kind of, that was what started to take down those like blinders that I had forced myself to put up to allow myself not to daydream because it felt dangerous. Um, And so that's kind of what I would tell anyone. I mean, it seems like a meandering piece of advice, but it's so real that, um, you know, in, in, and I know you're busy and you don't have time to sleep or, you know, eat much less, you know, daydream. But like, if you can give yourself five minutes of something every day, you know, that mental space will grow into 
figuring out what's not right in your life and what might fix it. And it might not be something as dramatic as leaving your job and moving to Florida. Right. It might be, I would love to take up photography and spend 10 minutes on it each day. Right. Uh, but there, it's like that will, that'll develop. And it's, it's like, it kind of, it's a path, right? Like it's, it'll meander its way into something bigger. That's great. That, that That's really helpful. And that, that means a lot. And, and Joe, I know you and I have had conversations just as friends about what, you know, we, we love doing different things. We love traveling. We, we're, we're into photos. We're into, this is the stuff we love podcasts. And we spend a lot of time on this show talking, not just about Disney, but all the stuff we love. And I think it's important for all people to try to bring into their lives as much happiness as they can through whatever it is that makes them happy. It's, it's more important than ever before. And that, uh, that's probably as heavy as the stuff we love podcast has gotten, but it was, I think a very good conversation. I, 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 I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Thank you. Joe, you couldn't your job Thank tomorrow. Thank you. Well, Scott, you know, I've, I've, had those exact same thoughts many times. So yeah. we'll see. It's interesting because one of the things Joe and I often talk about is, you know, we, we're working our law jobs and we're chatting on Gchat throughout the day, um, like all good lawyers do. And, you know, we, we'll sometimes say, you know, yeah, look at these people that are YouTube vloggers, for example, and we, you know, that are quite successful. And they're getting to live their dream of going to Disney or wherever it is they're vlogging from. That's what they're into. It's just, it's not a world where you had to go to school and then you become a lawyer, you become a doctor or something. There are so many opportunities available to you in the 21st century that previous generations didn't have the opportunity to pursue. Yeah, it's such a different world now and like the ability to like create work and create a career and create, you know, it's, it's, it's also new and um, it. And, and to make it very clear, like, I don't work less now than I did, you know, in big law. I, I don't like, it, and it's a crazy thing to say, because I was billing like, you know, 125 hour weeks closing deals. But like, I worked into the wee hours, many nights of the week, you know, where I am. But, but it's mine and I love it. And it's okay. Like, right. I will always be a type A workaholic. Always. Like, you can take the girl out of big law, but you can't take yeah, I will. That's just me. And it, I've always been a crazy hard worker and I've always been a perfectionist. And like, I don't want to not be that person. Right, what right. I wanted to do is like channel that energy and drive into something that was my own and that fulfilled me. And I don't know if like my goal is happiness. I feel like my goal is just like feeling like I'm pursuing that. And that like when I put my head on my pillow, whatever time it is at the end of the night, that I feel fulfilled and like I did the right thing with my day. Makes well, sense. For, so, yeah. Uh, so, so before we, so heavy. <laughs> no, this is, this is good stuff. This is, uh, this is like a uh, serious NPR quality material right here. You just changed the entire direction of the stuff we love podcast forever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we, we could check a whole new slew of boxes in the Apple podcast categories now. <laughs> Welcome to my blog. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we are starting to go a little long and we just have a couple more questions to ask you uh, before we get uh, to the general questions we ask all our guests about the fair movie TV show and so forth. Uh, Joe, ask Lisa a quick Disney lightning round in terms of favorite. Go ahead. Um, okay. Lisa, favorite uh, Disney park. Epcot. It's my home. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Favorite attraction. People mover, but it's not open right now. So I'm going to say Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. I love the people mover. It's my favorite there too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, 
Scott makes fun of me for that, but no, no, no. It's a great attraction. Great attraction. Yeah, I, love yeah, okay. it. I love it. I'm nervous about it. I don't understand why I'm hoping that the delayed, uh, renovations to the attraction are just a result of the craziness of the year. Cause some people are concerned. That I've heard they're estimating January now. I know they're doing some work on it and I've heard January, but okay, good. I hope you're right. Because when I go back next year, it's gotta be there. So, um, favorite theme park restaurant. Gosh, these are tough. Um, favorite theme park restaurant, Tippin. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Scott, continue. Favorite snack. Mickey Pretzel. Mickey Pretzel. The Boathouse or Homecoming? Oh, my God. Not nice. Um, boathouse. I love both. Usually uh, both. They're both great. They're both great. Um, last question for you in the Disney lighting round. So, Shortly in Disney Springs, we're going to have Gideon's opening up, which is amazing. I love their cookies. They're the best. You're going to have this new donut place opening up there. Uh, Glaze, is that the name of it? The, and um, you're going to have – and already you got Ghirardelli and so forth. So let's say you go to dinner at Disney Springs, but you don't have dessert at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you're choosing where you're going to get dessert from. Where do you go? When all those places are open. When they're all open, I'm hitting Gideon's. I love their cookies. Um, yeah. The people that are opening it are related to Polite Pig, which I actually know them very, very well. Right. Um, and one of the guys who was um, running Polite Pig is actually um, working with the team opening Gideon. So I'm super, super excited for him. And I'm really, really, really excited for cookies. And I also love their aesthetic. Like their stuff is gorgeous. It's very stuff, cool stuff. Yeah. Very cool. I actually wild my wife ordered me a hoodie from there uh, off their website the other night because it was so cool we were just looking online doing some shopping it's so awesome um earlier this year i got a delivery from a friend who lives in orlando of gideon's cookies they sent it to us up up north it was much needed it was great yeah that's those are good answers very very good answer we love talking to disney fans about what uh, you know the quick lighting rounds what's their go-to stuff and i guess another lighting round that we ask all our guests here on the stuff we love podcast because we are a pop culture show. We talk about a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Lisa, favorite movie? Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. And, yeah. and it most watchable for, is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think I've seen it 900 times. It's great not movie. A, not like a great movie, but I've seen it 900 times. So quality-wise, Shawshank. Rewatchability, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Tim Robbins is a great actor. I wish he was in more stuff recently. I haven't seen him in that much new stuff. I know. Yeah. Favorite band or singer? I, I don't have like a favorite, like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah is my favorite song of all time. Um, but like, you know, and I love like old Tom Wheats and like, like, like that kind of stuff. But like mm-hmm. the stuff I listen to on runs is like cheese ball corny music. So. It's not, no, no, not I'm going to actually, I wanted to mention I this to you. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I, I was going to say, I, we went, I went through all your playlists, by the way. They're yes. fantastic. And they're exactly what I listen to as well. So, <laughs> and the guilty pleasure playlist is not a guilty pleasure. All of those songs are excellent. Thank so you very I much. I think you really need to change the uh, title on that. You know, and your guilty pleasures playlist is four and a half hours long. <laughs> They're not guilty pleasures anymore. That's just what you listen to. That's, good. That's true. That's true. Your playlist section on the blog is great. I'm, Thank you. I think uh, I may have spent more time looking at those playlists than anything legal related at my job in the past month. <laughs> and I'm awesome. being serious. That's that could awesome. be. Uh, and my last question for you on this. Uh, favorite television show or one you one you enjoy out of the, the office before it ended the american right. office. the american office such yeah. a great show yeah. i could watch that over and over again and never get tired of it me too if somebody's watching the wedding scene like in my vicinity 
uh, the Pam and Jim like wedding scene. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, no, it was somebody's stories. Somebody posted it in their stories. And I was like watching the whole thing on their stories. <laughs> I love that show. It's a great episode. That's uh, on, I, and I was actually on that made of the Miss Boat Ride in Niagara Falls that Jim and Pam really? go on. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, great attraction. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, Lisa, this has been amazing. I, I'm so glad you joined us tonight on the yeah. podcast. We're going to talk about a couple more things, but I, I really enjoyed interviewing you tonight and learning more about your background. And uh, Joe, I think I'm speaking for you, but I know you did as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. It was, uh, it was really great. And uh, the blog is great, the website. So I appreciate it. It's always nice to talk to people who really get it, you know? Thank yeah. you. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Yes. So um, my blog is thecastlerun.com. Um, and my Instagram is thecastlerunner. And you can also find me on Facebook under those names. Wonderful. And we'll link to that in oh, our... Of course, uh, the candles. The candles are corememorycandles.com. That'll redirect you. Or if you're on the blog, um, thecastlerun.com, there is a shop tab. That's, that's the candle shop. Very good. And we'll link to that in our show notes. And um, this is now the part of the podcast that we do every episode where we're going to go around the table and give a stuff we love recommendation. We've kind of been doing that over the past minute or so, just talking about these movies and TV shows. But this is the part where we're going to talk about something that we're enjoying right now. It could be a movie, a music, uh, a song, an album, an app, a product. Uh, Lisa, you are our guest tonight, and we're going to start with you. Um, so I am. I was. I- Deciding between two, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the magic of Disney's animal kingdom for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. It is so amazing. And it's such a great sort of, um, look into you know, the parts of animal kingdom that you, that you might not be aware of and the different animals. And it just gives you this whole new appreciation for not just Disney and the care that they give to their animals, but also when you visit the park, you, you really, you really end up knowing the animals a lot, a lot better from the gorillas to the rhinos, to the elephants and mm-hmm. yeah. And that's on Disney Plus. Yes, it's on Disney Plus. Um, they're releasing one a week. I think there's like four of them out at this point. Um, but yeah, you'll come out of it knowing, having a, a huge appreciation for the caretakers of Animal Kingdom and how hard they work and how dedicated they are to right. to the animals, but also for the animals that you see like on safari and throughout the park. I love that recommendation because that's a show I have on my watch list on Disney Plus and something I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, so good call. Joe? Um, so if we're going to stick with TV, I'll talk about two shows I've been watching on Netflix. One is Emily in Paris, which is total mindless entertainment. And I love it. Uh, about a girl who moves to Paris and knows nothing about it. It's basically like sex in the city for 20 something year olds, which I am certainly not, but I still enjoy <laughs> the show. And I've also just started watching Barbarians on Netflix, which is a show, uh, totally different than Emily in Paris, but it's, it's actually in German. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a, Game of Thrones type of show. I don't really know how else to describe it, but it's, you know, like historical um, uh, war type of show. So I, I've been really enjoying that as well. And it's just about the, uh, it's like a very famous battle in like the 1000 year kind of thing. So those two shows are what I've been watching on Netflix. I really like them both. Scott. Good call. That's, that's great. So for my stuff, we love recommendations tonight. I'll give two music things real quick. The first is a box set that came out a couple of weeks ago for John Lennon, what would have been his 80th birthday. It's called Give Me Some Truth. It's a two CD box set that comes in multiple configurations, also is released on vinyl. And it's not really a greatest hits compilation, but it's more just a career spanning overview of what John Lennon did post Beatles. Really good stuff. 
Um, so I'm enjoying that. And then the new Ariana Grande album, Positions. Great album. Joe, I know you like that, right? We- well, I, I didn't say that because I knew you were going to. So. <laughs> see, Lisa, was- we weren't kidding when we say, you know, we, when we see the playlist, we really have no guilty pleasures. We like it. We like it all. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But Positions is a very good album. Uh, Joe, we've been talking about this. I think we all we both agree that her previous album, Thank You Next, is a better album, but this is a good album. Very good album. I agree. It's a good album. It's totally different. It's more R&B and slower, right. uh, slow jams. But uh, it's I, I like it a lot. It's really good. Is it your favorite album of the year so far? No. Uh, Taylor Swift is my favorite album of the year so Cold far. Core. Right. So. Good stuff. Lisa, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yes. Thank you, Lisa, very much for being here tonight. For our listeners, you can find us online at stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. You can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at stuffwelovepod, Instagram at stuffwelovepodcast. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us those good five-star reviews. and makes it easier for others to find the podcast. And uh, be well, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Stay well and stay safe. And we're going to go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Joe. I'm Lisa. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.